1: And a good morning, one and all. A little cloudy right now. I just glanced out there. I thought, I'm going to look at the sunshine, Charlie. And sound like it's cloudy. I think it's going to thin out as the day goes on. It's going to be a nice day. Okay. No rain in the forecast. That much we know. That is good because a lot of stuff requires (coughs) decent weather. There's a lot
2: going on. Holy
1: macro! Yeah. Let me clear the decks then and get the phone numbers on the air, etc. So here we go. If you would like to speak to Charlie Dobbin, who is our uh, gardening guru here at the station. By all goddess means, of the garden. The goddess of the Garden. That. Of course. <laughs> of course. Ah, here's, the, here's the number. I knew I was going to get in trouble. Uh, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the program, or anywhere in the program anywhere in the province, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Call early, call often. One question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know when you call in. Then he'll relay that message to me. And when you get to the air, well, just before you get on the air.
3: Have that? Yeah. Your garden
1: wings.
2: Garden wings. Yeah. Gotta love them. Okay, get ready, fasten your seatbelts. There's an awful lot going on in the gardening world, not to mention the sports world and the biking to raise money world. There's so much going on, but let's talk gardening. This weekend, today, and tomorrow is the 31st annual Through the Garden Gate Tour sponsored by the Toronto Botanical Gardens. 19 private gardens in the Winfields Estate area are open to all explorers. The TBG is close enough to to be the headquarters for the tour, so head to to 777 Lawrence Avenue East, corner of Leslie and Lawrence, and be wowed by master gardeners in every garden, shuttle buses and ice cream carts. You can also participate on a bicycle. So for more information, go to torontobotanicalgarden.com. <clears throat> and by the way, I will be attending that Through the Garden Gate tour tomorrow oh, good. with a, a garden buddy of mine, a person I worked with way, way, way back in when I worked at White Rose Nurseries. Also, going on this weekend, the Oshawa Peony Festival, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. today and tomorrow, 155 Arena Street in Oshawa. Admission and parking is free. And get ready for Garden Days, starting next Saturday, June 16th, running to the 24th. There are lots of activities happening in every province across Canada. It's a nine day program, uh, activities, events, all designed for gardening enthusiasts, family, schools, and tourism as well. So, Garden Days is an opportunity for Canadians to enjoy their own garden, visit or take part in their favourite garden experience, get inspired at their local garden centre, or travel to a nearby destination to enjoy their favourite garden. So, more information on Garden Days, obviously, www.gardendays.ca. But what you don't know, Frank, is that next Saturday, Sean James will be joining us here on the show. He is the national spokesperson for Garden Days. He's going to be here Mm -hmm. to tell us what's going on across the country and bring us up to date and then race out the door because he's got events to attend. Very good. Starting next Saturday. And the other special thing is that Bullfrog Power will be sponsoring the garden show Mm -hmm. next Saturday. So we're going to be 100% Bullfrog Power. Powered for one hour next Saturday uh, with green electricity, all in support of oh, garden days. That. Yeah, it's Good. pretty cool, eh? So for more information, obviously, on Bullfrog Power, that's at bullfrogpower.com. Mark your calendars if you want to see me live in in person June 20th at the Thornhill Horticultural Society, 7.30 p.m., Great Gardens with Less Water, Thornhill Community Centre, 7755 Bayview Avenue in Thornhill. Mm -hmm. And the following day, June 21st, I'm at the Tottenham Horticultural Society in the Fire Hall. 7.30pm, the good, the bad, and the ugly is my topic. (laughs) I love some of these. I wonder if I'll get to, like, speak from a fire truck or something. I'm in the Fire Hall. Or maybe ride the pole or something. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, this past don't go there, this past (laughs) spring, I uh, I was in a court house uh, on the you know up on the whatever they call it. <laughs> you just I can't look at you. Uh, so and I was also in a church in Brooklyn where I was standing in the pulpit delivering my my sermon. No, my seminar. So yes, I'm looking forward to the fire hall and what's that?
1: What that's all about? Right, right. And oh, now my God.
2: throw it to you. <laughs>
1: Are, are we just about done now? Okay. We are, yep. uh, yeah. Literally, huh. figuratively much speaking. <laughs> you got uh, That was an image that was just not escape my mind. I can see mind.
2: that on your face, yes. uh, All
3: right.
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, give a call to Charlie. Help us out here because we're just failing badly at this very moment in time. Uh, anyway, no, we're going to have a darn good, good show, and we want you lined up. In fact, I know Art in North York is waiting to speak mm. with you momentarily here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio
4: daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Scythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and
0: sweetwilliams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Ah, oh, the fun is happening. It's all happening right here Never on Zoom a Radio. Dull
2: moment on The Garden yes, Show.
1: you've got it right, my up Okay, <laughs> there's Art in New. Um, pardon me, North. North York. <laughs> not New York, but North York. Hey, Art, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> good morning. from New York. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? Oh, good. <laughs> my question is, what's the best way
5: of getting uh, rid of a tree stump? Small a,
2: tree stump. A small so, tree stump?
5: I was going to... Throw a hole in the center and put some gasoline there and let it soak through and then burn it out.
2: Uh, Except don't use gasoline. How close is it to your house?
5: Oh, it's uh, about uh, 50 feet. Oh, well,
2: So you're you're right. You're on the right track. Um, There is a product. Now, Mike, one question is, is it available in Canada? It used to be available in Canada. It is called Stump Remover.
5: Yeah, but that takes uh, three or four years before it's... uh, does any good. Oh, really? oh, no,
2: but it works on the same principle as what you're suggesting. You, you drill the largest holes that you can in the stump. Yeah. It's potassium nitrate. You pour in the potassium nitrate. You let it sit there for, you know, a week or two. Then you use kerosene. You pour kerosene oh. into your drilled holes. Then you light it. And it smolder burns as okay. opposed to, you know, flame. Flaming. Flame, yeah. yeah. But of course, you never do that near any other wooden structures, you know, homes, fences, yeah. etc., other trees. But it is a quick way, quick, reasonably quick way to eliminate to stump uh- you know and not wait for it to just rot away. There are of course machines, stump grinders mm-hmm. which is just like a chainsaw really. You, you cut the tree uh, stump level with the earth, and then the the stump grinder just grinds down the depth of the chain, which is usually about eight inches below surface
1: level. Which should be enough. Yeah, and
2: yeah. then then you can fill back in with soil and re you know sod or whatever it is you want to do there. Um, stump grinding does work very well, and of course it's chemical well, they, free. They
1: can be rented too. I'm sure you know, the yeah, I think Home
2: Depot rents, mm-hmm. Stevenson's rental probably rents yeah. stump grinders, and many companies will do it for you as well. So, but I just hesitate to go, I wouldn't recommend the gasoline thing, just because it might
4: be tree died.
2: a little volatile. Yeah, it's a, vo- it's a cherry, yeah. cherry stump. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I just avoid the volatility is what I would suggest. So that's why I like the idea of the stump remover with the kerosene rather oh. than gasoline. Mm. Okay. and let plus us, the yeah, toxicity.
3: It <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, oh, gee, yeah. <laughs> well, you're right, but it's but it's you really cheaper to buy dynamite. <laughs> but your
2: soil ends up very toxic, right? Yeah. You are gonna have trouble grow, regrowing in that
1: area. Let, let us know uh, what yeah. what method you decided to use and how it worked. Okay, Art. Yeah, okay. okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thanks, thanks for, call. for the call. Fun way to start. Blowing up a stump. Uh, yeah, about that.
2: exactly. Good really? way to start the
1: weekend. <laughs> hey, i to wreak havoc somewhere. There's, there's Doreen on the line. Good morning, Doreen.
2: Good morning. Good morning. How do you grow carrots without those little white worms? You've obviously had them in the past. Terrible. Oh, oh really? Hmm. Years ago, I didn't. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So often, when uh, we get a, a pest into our garden, particularly a soil based pest, they stay. They're just too, it's too happy of a place for them to ever leave, particularly if we keep feeding them by planting carrots. <laughs> so what I, I would... Carrots vicious. in different locations. Yeah, I know. but vicious Probably the movement of the soil mm. has allowed... It's a maggot, oh, right? Yes. And there was, back in the day, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we would use an, like a powdered insecticide in the soil... As we were planting our carrot seeds, yes, I did, and that was a way to control them in around the carrots for that period of time. But those insecticides are no longer available. Plus, I think we're a little hesitant with our edibles to, you know, be so using sort of toxic chemicals right up close to our edible, uh, mm-hmm. per, you know, grow uh, plants. So, I would suggest take a break from carrots. Um, go move somewhere totally different with your carrots. I'm just trying to think if there's any. I mean, I, I put them in a different. Garden, even. Yeah, you did, eh? But it didn't help. Followed you. Hmm. Okay, well. you know, you're going to have to leave that with me because at this point, I, I don't know, other than. I need to think about that. It might just be you have to take a couple of years off and the, the insects will move on for lack of food. But there might be something else out there. So, so Doreen, keep listening. And in the next break, I'll quickly see what I can search
1: out on Thank you very much. Control. Okay, my love. Thank you. Bye. Thank Alrighty. you. And just before we take a little break, uh, Charlie, you and I are giving a wave to a lot of folks who are on bikes over this weekend heading yeah. to Niagara Falls, the Enbridge Ride to Conquer Cancer. Yeah.
2: Is it called? Yeah, it is called. They just I believe so. Uh, uh, Quite a large traffic jam on my way here, (laughs) Uh, coming up from the CNE. They left. They were leaving at uh, nine o'clock. Was it nine yeah. or eight? I think it's eight o'clock. One of my students, my Humber College students, who I'm currently teaching, is
1: riding. Wow!
2: On that, and That's so he was telling like a me 200
1: kilometers. Yeah, he joint. said.
2: Well, they get to Hamilton. This is yeah. the theory tonight, and sleep like little lambs, and then they're back on their bikes and off to Niagara tomorrow. He said, but it is so organized. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, you by registering for the ride, he works for Steam Whistle. Um, Breweries Mm -hmm. and they've got a team riding. So he said. Well, I'll drink to that. Yeah, so he said that they, um. They, they register, they have a little license on mm-hmm. their bikes by registering. Yep. He said, you, when you ride into Hamilton, you basically just hand your bike to a volunteer and then you go to sleep. It's all so sleep.
1: well done. Huh? And,
2: and your bike is completely looked after. You don't have to go worry about locking it up yeah, and like keeping that. it safe. That's it's wonderful. It's all super well organized. And, and
1: millions raised uh, yeah. over this event Yeah, that's one of their biggest fundraisers. Yep. Yeah. Okay, we've got to take a break. And uh, I know Sophie in Hamilton is uh, just dying to get on the phone with you. So we'll let that all happen momentarily here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio
0: change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, you've been diligently working the, uh, the
1: computer, computer there. As you're for talking
2: an to me and totally distracting me, I have just been trying to come up <laughs> with <my> some job. <laughs> ideas for Doreen. Doreen called a few minutes ago from Belgrave wondering yep. about the the maggots that chew on her carrots. All right, so here's the scoop, Doreen. And you know what? This is a pretty good little website. It's actually Planet Natural. So planetnatural.com, how to control what are actually root maggots. Okay, female, so you've got to understand life cycles here. So okay. the adult of the insect that burrows into your carrots is actually a fly. So these, the female lays eggs uh, and is very attracted to where you've just planted the seeds. Likes all that moist soil. Mm. So first thing is you're planting your carrot seeds. Hopefully you haven't planted them yet or you've just planted them. So the instant you plant your carrot seeds, moisten them as you would normally, then get yourself something called a plant, a floating row cover. It's like muslin or, oh, okay. yeah. you know, it's this soft mm-hmm. uh So allows a light in. A little bit of
1: netting. Exactly.
2: And you're gonna apply that over where you've planted your carrot seeds, which is gonna protect the carrot seeds from the female fly laying its eggs right beside the seeds. That's number one. Gotcha. So cover right away. Uh, make sure your cover extends at least six inches beyond your your row of carrot seeds. You're also going to, once the seeds germinate, you are going to get out some diatomaceous earth, which is a sharp little particles, though it looks like white powder to us. Hmm. Buy it at any garden center. You're going to sprinkle diatomaceous earth along around your newly germinated seedling. Diatomaceous
1: earth. What the heck is that?
2: It's from, it's from diatoms, and diatoms are... Ocean creatures that have died and oh. are made of calcium, so they're really, oh, really oh. sharp. Gotcha. So yeah, it, it's just called diatomaceous earth because it's 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 one of those sharp things that the
1: slugs, no, any larva, yep.
2: any slug, any any animal that. Yep. belly is in contact with the soil will move across diatomaceous earth and of course lacerate their tummies and lose all their innards. Very effective. So floating row covers then diatomaceous earth consider the yellow sticky attractive little uh-huh. cards which are available under the name sticky sticks. Get those out and around your vegetable crops to capture any of the adults that are flying around uh, and from that point forward uh, it's basically you know monitor, monitor keep an eye First sign of any problems, of course, remove any carrots that appear to have maggots, but try and prevent the problem by preventing the eggs being right. laid.
1: Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. There we go. All worth waiting for there, that uh, question from Doreen. Yeah. Now, um, from Hamilton, you yeah. are Sophie's choice this morning. I love it. speak to. You. Hey, Sophie, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the show.
5: Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Uh, hi, Charlie. I can hardly hear you, oh. but here's my question. Okay. I have a hydrangea, it's about five years old, it's grown beautifully, it's very healthy, but I need to transplant it. Hmm. So, I'm wondering uh, what kind of root does it have, Uh, would I have a difficulty removing it from the area, and when is the best time to transplant it?
2: So, what kind of soil do you garden in? Is it a a clay soil or a sandy soil?
5: i worked with my. Soil and it's kind of a little bit of both.
2: Okay, so that's good. Um, all right, five years is not that long, so it is possible to transplant that hydrangea. However, your best time to transplant it is not now; it's either early spring or or September for or s- best t- chance of survival. So fall or spring, not not when it's actively growing like it is now.
5: Okay, so, little- so when when it's
2: springtime before the leaves come on. That would be best if you can, or just as the leaves are starting to emerge. I mean, what I would do if I was planting, transplanting it next spring, for example, mm-hmm. have the spot ready where you're going, pre-dig the hole, have that all prepared. Now back to your hydrangea plant. Of course, we trim them down. I'm assuming this is a, one of the ones with the ball-shaped flowers. Yes, macrophylla. So we always have a lot of dead wood up on the tips and all. Our new growth typically comes from the base. Yes. So trim it right down. So the whole plant is maybe two inches tall. Three. Inches tall at the most, all those stems right down. Then dig the largest root ball that you can. You know you're going to sever roots, there's no way you're bringing them all with you, but dig the largest root ball that you can that will um, you'll be able to handle to physically be able to lift up out of the ground. And over to the new spot and down into the ground carefully, trying to keep the soil attached to the roots in the process. So make sure it's thoroughly moistened before you even attempt this, this job. Also have on hand either bone meal or a, tr- a transplant or fertilizer just to um, encourage Fresh roots to grow right away when you get it planted. Of course, you will water thoroughly at that time when you do replant it. And, you know, make sure it's a good quality soil you're going into. It's a well-drained, fairly fertile soil. Okay.
5: And it does need water quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, that's
2: that. Hydra. (laughs) That's where hydrangea comes from. They like like their water, yeah. Okay. Okay, Uh, Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. My pleasure.
1: Sophie, thanks for joining us here on a Saturday morning from Zoomer Radio, where we're broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village in Toronto, just around the corner maybe, is Siva. Good morning, Siva. Good
4: morning,
5: guys.
2: Good morning.
4: My question is, will adding horticultural
5: lime to tomatoes give it the required amount of calcium Mm -hmm. it needs?
2: you know? Uh, okay, so <clears throat> good question. You're obviously concerned uh, that lack of calcium leads to um, quite yeah. a horrible. Um, yeah, the rock. Yeah, it's called blossom end rot, where we lose the tomatoes uh, at the blossom end. Mm -hmm. And it was all sort of put down to lack of calcium. So what has been learned over the years is that in Ontario, our soils are limestone-based. We rarely have a shortage of, of calcium in our soil. As a matter of fact, it's so rare be unheard of for there to be a lack of calcium in a natural Ontario soil. However, what does happen is if we have inconsistent access to moisture for the tomato plants, then the calcium becomes limiting. So instead of worrying about adding lime, which is going to mess up your pH anyway, unless for some reason your pH is super low and you want to bring it up, okay. I wouldn't add lime right off the top. What I would do is add good quality organic material. Make sure you've, you, wherever your tomatoes are going, you've got good um, manure or homemade compost, okay. uh, that kind of quality organic material, which will help with moisture retention. Okay. Consider mulching your tomatoes with a couple of inches of a, a chopped up bark mulch or any kind of a mul- mulch that is, you've got good access to. So Again, moisture retention. And remember that if we don't get, you know, rain, and it's hot July weather, and a couple days goes with no rain, and it's windy and hot and sunny, and you mm-hmm. know that the moisture is disappearing out of the soil, be prepared to get out there and water those tomatoes. And I think you'll find you will. And also, if, uh, tomatoes are what we call heavy feeders, so you could, could certainly consider a synthetic fertilizer, and a tomato food always has extra calcium in it as well. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You're yeah. welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye,
1: right. Siva. Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday morning. It's the Garden Show on Zuma Radio in Sunderland, Ontario. There's Cheryl. Good morning, Cheryl.
5: Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Charlie, um I'm having a problem with chipmunks digging up my soil in the pot, and they're mm. eating my bulbs. Oh. They're Oops. a big calla lily of some kind. I had trouble last year, but not like this year. Hmm. And I I believe I re- kind of remember you mentioning uh, some kind of a homemade thing I could put on it,
2: so they wouldn't do it. Well, it's hmm. interesting you mention that. Actually, you're right. I can't uh, hear you. When Sean James was here, he uh, did share with us a recipe, and it had to do with Eggs okay, I'm gonna just flip back in my book again. This happens every now and then. Oh there it is. So this is a way to try and keep squirrels or chipmunks from, from going after any of your plants or digging up things that like bulbs. And the recipe was yeah, mm, two eggs. Pardon? Two eggs. T- two. One two. I I I can't hear you. All right, tell you what. I'm going to just keep. Why don't you maybe hang up the phone, so yeah. turn, turn up, up your radio. radio, and then grab a pencil and and there you go. Okay, okay. I'll hang up the phone and go all turn right. the radio
5: up, and I'll be able to hear you. Yeah, That's exactly. Right, yeah. Oh, I appreciate that, dear. <laughs> oh, thanks, Thank you Cheryl. very
1: much. All righty. I don't know why yeah. that happens sometimes. I have no idea. You know, I can hear uh, myself. Yes, and I. can Sebastian, hear you. can you hear me? Thank goodness. Sebastian, can yeah, you yeah, hear me? Yeah, you yeah, can, we're all, are, we're all
2: cool. okay, Cheryl? Got your pencil. So here, this is something that Sean James recommended as a good repellent for those little critters. And there's Mm. other ways to also repel. But this is his idea. Two eggs. Two eggs. One, two. Mm -hmm. Two cups of milk. Two tablespoons of olive oil. Plus a dash of dish soap. So it's quite the mix, right? Add that. Add this whole mix, you know, two eggs, two cups of milk, two tablespoons of olive oil, some dish soap into two liters of water. Mm. Mix it all around. You can also sprinkle in a little cayenne pepper if you like. And then spray your plants that these animals are are chewing and digging and, and bothering you to the dripping point. So you're, this stuff's going to drip off. He claims that will last on the plants for up to a month because that egg makes it sticky so it well that makes sense doesn't it Yeah, bad smells and eggs and I don't know I can't think of a smell very good to us eggs and milk sitting on plants but whatever Mm. this is a Sean James thing I'm a big fan if the chipmunks and squirrels are digging in your pots go to the dollar store get a bag of forks cheap forks plastic forks oh yeah stick them into the pot the prongs up tines up exactly you can even break off the handles if you want but handles down tines up down so that they're below ground just Mm -hmm. below ground you don't see them uh, but they're there, and any little digging creature can't dig. You have to stick a lot
1: in there. Yeah, just remember yourself that you because, yes. geez, yeah, you, you don't want to be jamming your, your yourself, and too. It, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, sometimes even cut rose canes on the surface of the soil mm-hmm. will slow them down. So those are you know deterrents to just make it a, a little bit of an unfriendly place for chipmunks and squirrels and digging creatures. Alrighty,
1: and my friends, you're tuned to uh, Zoomer Radio, the Garden Show on the air with Charlie Dubbin. Yours truly, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the Garden, saying hi uh. to. Carol in Aiton. Hi, Carol.
2: Good morning. Good morning. Where's Aiton? Aiton, a little bit northwest of Mount Forest. Oh, there lovely.
1: Go. God's um, we're about country.
2: halfway in between. Yeah, nice.
5: Um, just a comment on, on the slugs in the in the carrots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old timers around here used to use wood ashes and just sprinkle them mm-hmm. around either in the row before you sowed the seeds or on top. I remember that one.
0: Well,
1: I hmm. wonder why that would work. A lot of potassium there, wouldn't it? Yeah.
5: Smell, taste, who knows? Anyway, my question mm. this morning is, mm. uh, when you're mulching trees, yeah. well, putting mulch around trees, somewhere yes. in the last couple of weeks, my husband and I were touring around, and I don't remember what town or city it was, but they had mulch around the trees, and it looked to be up like a foot and a half <laughs> up know. the trunk of the trees. It didn't look particularly attractive. I, but I, had I wondered well. if it was healthy for the nope. trees to put that much. Nope.
2: No, you never want to cover the bark of the tree, with because it'll hold moisture against the bark, yeah. and cause and all kinds of rot. And, yeah. Yeah. Listen okay, to and you, that, Frank's the, the garden kind of expert. My,
5: <laughs> that was kind of my memory that you weren't to do that. No. What about slugs? Does it attract slugs to be on the trees, to crawl up the trees, or or is that not a problem?
2: Well, slugs like the dark, and they like the moisture. Right? So they will always hang out, and that has always been one of the, the negatives of mulch, is that we do provide a bit of a hotel or, or a rest, you know, nice, comfortable spot for some of the mm-hmm. the pests that we don't really like, like slugs, okay. uh, earwigs, that sort of thing. But when it comes to mulching trees, remember there's two ways to do it. One is the mountain, like you're talking about, so straight up the trunk. The other is the volcano. So the volcano is where we take that same amount of mulch, we put it around the trunk of the tree, but it's a crater, so that the trunk comes out of the crater. Mm-hmm. And what, what's good about the, the, volca- the volcano design is that when the rain falls, the rain drips down the trunk and down to the root zone, uh, uh, and gets trapped within that crater. Okay. The, the mountain design takes the water away from the trees yeah. and rots the, the stems, not to mention the bark. Okay. 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 All right. Thank you very much. S- You're excellent. very
1: welcome. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we've got time for another call here. Before Do we're we? Okay. Taking next break. Well, you please? can take
2: this one. Okay. Oh, you, you've sure. been jumping <laughs> in and
1: doing so good on the last few. Yeah. <laughs> Shut my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> Valerie in Etobicoke, Good morning. <laughs>
2: Good morning to you all. Good morning. I've
5: had
4: some trouble with a mandevilla plant. I've got about five of them, very healthy, some outside,
2: a couple inside. Mm.
5: But none of them are flowering like the beautiful ones we see
2: in nurseries. Yeah, and you've kept these for a few years, obviously? Um, Two or three, not not that long. Well, good for you for overwintering them. You're doing something very right. Okay, so what have they done in the greenhouses? They've had the optimal conditions to get those mandevilla to bloom. They've had maximum light, proper temperature perfect nutrition and high humidity in the greenhouse so that when you see them for sale in the garden centers they look absolutely phenomenal. So yours, you've obviously done a very good job because you've gotten them through our tough winters for tropical plants. So now your job is to try and mimic what the the perfect conditions. So have you done any fertilizing on these plants? Yes, I have. And what are you fertilizing with? Ooh, Ooh. Hmm. The reason I ask, does I don't remember the name. Sorry. Just make sure that it is a, a, some a fertilizer that is designed to encourage flowers. Yeah. So make sure it's not like an all-purpose fertilizer, but instead is a you know flower power, flower you know so you know flowering. So it's. Uh, I think it is an all all over. Yeah. So you usually have a high higher middle number when it's a designed to really encourage flowers. So use that kind of a fertilizer. Um, Make sure you're oh. maximizing light so that they are, the ones that are outside, great idea, um, I, I, perfect idea. If they're overgrown and all kind of stringy and viney from the winter and you don't see any evidence of buds, don't hesitate to do any pruning or cutting back. And the next growth should be, have flowers on it is the sort of theory behind that. That,
4: that designs.
2: Yeah. If, if they're really leggy and, and out of control.
1: Valerie, what, what's your dog's name? Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Thank Charlie for being part of our show. Oh, I love yeah, dogs. A, a that's great. <laughs> she's cute. <laughs> Sorry about that. No No, worries. no, that's great.
2: Uh, all right. Uh, and, and otherwise, I mean, yeah, I, I assume you have them in bright light now. I do. Okay, um, you know what? Get out a little Mister bottle. If we're not, if our humidity levels aren't as high as we'd like them, feel free to get you know do whatever you can raise that humidity around the plants. They are tropical plants. They they do love the the heat, the high humidity, the bright lights, and good nutrition. Well, we'll try all those things. Okay. All right. How often should I fertilize? Uh, at the most,
1: every two weeks. Two weeks. Yes, that's what I've been doing. Through
2: to the end of July. No more yeah. after that.
1: Well, there we had. The Thank you. Firm proof, positive that the show has gone to the dogs. Yeah. Charlie, welcome. I can't anytime. tell you
2: how many dogs I have met named Charlie. It's right? a really popular yeah. name. Well, have you ever met a dog named Frank? No. Well, there you go. No, I haven't. But, but I mean, it's a popular name for dogs. That's all I'm <laughs> saying.
1: There's a lot of people have well, dogs named Charlie. Sounds like you just kicked yourself in the shin here. I'm just saying. Okay, Charlie. Kind of Very embarrassing. good. We have a couple of lines <laughs> open. Let me, let me repeat the phone numbers before we take a break, okay? Uh, in Toronto, call 416 Anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740.
0: Back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Charlie, let's move to Markham. All right. Hey, there's Kathy.
1: Good morning, (laughs) Kathy.
4: Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, I have a problem with my cow. Mm I have... I notice a little green, small worms they eat in the leaves.
2: Yeah, so they're eating from the edges or eating holes in the middle? Holes in the middle. Yeah. Hmm. Not nice. Not nice. That's, no. A, no, that's part we want to we eat. We don't want to yeah. share that with them. Uh, and this kale, is it in pots or is it in the ground? It's on the ground. Okay. So there's a couple of things you can do. Um, I mentioned uh, when Doreen called about the carrot maggots that one of the ways to protect carrots, and this is true for kale as well, from... Insect infestation is with something called a floating row cover. So what you'd have to do is you'd go through the kale, you would hand pick off any evidence of the larva, which are those little worms, and you would squish those or drop them into just an empty... um, tuna fish can with a little bit of water and a drop of oil and they will die. So you would just clean up the plants and then you would protect them with the floating row covers. If you've got too much kale or just too many insects or not enough time for that kind of um, work to do there is a product it's completely organic it's actually a bacteria it's on the shelves of any of the garden centers and the on the shelf or what you're looking for in terms of the active ingredient is the letter B so B capital B and a sm- lowercase letter T so Bt B p exactly and it stands for bacillus. Which is a bacteria, Bacillus thurigensis. So okay. Most people can't remember Bacillus thurigensis, so it's called BT. It's usually a powder, and on the package it'll tell you to mix with water. And when you that it, that sprayed onto any of the larvae that are eating our plants that we do not want eating our plants, will kill them because the bacteria will actually. Um, invade the tissues of those little worms or larvae and kill them. Okay, But be careful that you are uh, killing larvae that you really want to kill. So, you know, if they're little green ones and they're eating your kale, yes, you can you can look after them because there are some real pests of kale. But just be careful that you're not killing um, larvae of some of the butterflies and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Uh,
4: because we do have lots of bushes in the back. Mm-hmm so i don't know if it's from that or what
2: is it is hard to say you know it's mm-hmm. it, one of the things I have learned over all the years i 've been in the garden and, and teaching about gardening is that happy plants, plants that are n- under no stress at all, so their soil is excellent, fertile, full of organic material properly watered, you know, just f- fertility is available, just all the good things are happening for the plants, they yes. are far less likely to be invaded by pests.
4: Okay, thank you. And I want to ask uh, Frank what he did to the mystery flower. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> Kathy, yeah, hi. Of
1: <gasps> course, I looked at Mark and I wonder if it is. And it is the lovely lady and gentleman. The, uh, ger- with the geranium. The, yeah, we've, we've planted it out to, toward the back of the property, mm-hmm. and it's it's come up beautiful um, purple flowers. Yep. And just gorgeous.
2: So that's Thank interesting because you. you gave me a pot too. That's Thank right. you, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and once I uh, Frank gave it to me, I was like, oh, I have this plant. You oh, do you? Them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have it with the variegated form with the uh-huh. leaves green and white. And you're right, blooms like crazy, sun or shade. So I saved the pot that Frank gave me. I'm going to take it to a friend out in Prince Edward County who has just installed a new garden by a stream. And I think it's going to be very pretty along there.
1: Thank you very much, Kathy.
4: Oh, very welcome. Okay. Thanks a okay. lot. Right-o. Have a good Saturday.
1: Thank okay. you very much. Well, now we've learned something else. Uh Bacillus uh, thoragensis. No, no,
2: bacillus. B-
1: bacillus thurigensis. Perfect. Okay. Oh, Wrote it say down that phonetically. three times fast. I'll have to practice for M- next K- week in case I'm, I get caught off guard. Uh, <laughs> speaking of getting caught off guard, here I am. Oh, yeah, okay. There's Warner. Yes. Uh, in, uh, but you know what? what? We have to take a break uh, right now. Otherwise, we are going to get into a jam here. Warner, hang tight, okay, there in Tilsonburg. We'll be right to you, my friend, here on The Garden Show.
4: Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxclubs, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, stalks, hollyhocks, tulips and
0: sweetwilliams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: And uh, I just glanced at my, uh, I... my watch and the darn things stopped. Twenty to seven this morning. I don't know what happened. The uh, battery gave up the ghost. Again. Yeah,
2: and they do that quite suddenly, it seems. Yep. Well, you know what? My, uh, my alarm clock was... Acting up, Uh-oh. it was like jumping an hour yeah. ahead and jumping an hour back, and it was like <laughs> that's so good. No kidding. So I went to bed last night, going, I don't think I can risk this. Like if I'm uh, an hour late,
1: <laughs> I'm in trouble. It's going to be. A little... I'm in trouble exactly. Unless so, every question's about nematodes.
2: So, I, so I, I took my cell phone to bed with me last night just to cover yeah, and make sure I had exactly. a working alarm.
1: Well, uh, listen, we better get to Warner and uh, Tilsonburg There has been waiting patiently on the line.
3: Mm-hmm. Hi, good morning, Warner. Good morning, morning, Charlie and Frank. Uh, it's about tomatoes. Mm-hmm. I planted about a half a dozen. This is going back a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I put uh, fat free powdered milk in the bottom. Okay. I come out the next day. All the plants were pulled out, but not. F- I could replant them. Mm-hmm. There must have been a raccoon to get to the milk. Yes. Ooh, the little devils, eh? Yes. So, what I do now, I take a water bottle, mm-hmm. cut the bottom off. And of course, don't uh, have the, the, the top off, right. and dig it in, pointing right at the roots from the tomatoes. Right, and I put two spoons of two uh, teaspoons of powdered milk, mm-hmm. fat free, mm-hmm. and one of absent salt. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I water it into the bottle. Goes right to the roots. All
2: right,
3: they grow beautiful. No more problem, and I don't get any tomatoes with this black on the bottom. Hmm. Calcium deficiency. That's what makes yeah, that.
2: That's what the blossom end rot. And of course, uh, epsom salt is um, magnesium sulfate, which is also required for good tomato growth. Well, so just help me understand. So the bottom is cut out of the water bottle, so the, the spout is down into the ground.
3: Yeah, and pointing you, to the root.
2: Right, and and you. So that's just planted. That's planted in the soil close to the tomato, or the tomato is actually planted into the bottom of the uh, of the water bottle.
3: No, no, it's closed, pointing, and I feed from the top
2: through that. And
3: then, whenever I water, I go into that bottle. Yeah, yeah. And it feeds the tomato in the bottom, no more problem.
2: Huh, interesting. So they don't smell it because I guess it's somewhat encased in the plastic. Yes,
3: it is is, uh, watered down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice idea. And the juice gets to the bottom of the tomatoes, Mm -hmm, never mm -hmm. any problem. Beautiful, healthy plants. All right. There you go.
2: Well, I hope that Siva is listening because she had questions about getting calcium to her tomatoes and uh, this very, very good suggestion. Thank you.
3: I do that maybe once a week. Yeah. And uh, then you come with the hose and you, you, you stick it in the bottle. It foams it all up and goes down. Yep. No problem. There product. you go. That yeah. Is a terrific one. So
2: you don't keep adding the milk and the epsom salts throughout the season. You just water through that once a week. No. Oh, I add you keep it every adding. Week. Oh,
3: wow. Wow! Two teaspoons of wow. fat-free powdered milk okay. and one of Epsom salt in that bottle. Gee, that's Another use for Epsom salts.
1: My God! <laughs> <No. laughs> I'm writing this thank all you, down. Warner.
2: Okay, Terrific. Thank you. Uh,
1: okay, guys. All the best. Take care of Telsonberg for us, would you?
2: And we love people who call in with good tips. So you thanks betcha. for that.
1: Now let's see what's on Jesse's mind here in Toronto. Good morning, Jesse.
2: Hi. Charlie,
4: I always enjoy your program. Thank you. But I have a question about the amaryllis. Mm-hmm. I had beautiful um, amaryllis who had grown about 80 centimeters, 88 centimeters yeah. high. Wow, well, yeah. Anyway, now it, all the leaves have died off, mm-hmm. and I have th- three plants, three amaryllis plants who are the leaves are dying off. What do I do now? put them in the basement already or can I put them outside?
2: Okay, so when you say the leaves have died down, have you not watered them at all since they flowered or have you been oh,
4: watering? Oh, yeah, yeah, I have
2: watered them. Oh, wow, well, interesting. Because I have five very green amaryllis plants at my place that are very much full of foliage right now. Uh, I've got them outside just sitting in a, it's a you know a eastern side of the house so they get an hour or so of light in the morning, but otherwise I just still in their pots they're just sitting there on the ground you have them outside yes I do
4: and then but then you put them in the basement or in the shed
2: Yes, but first they have to fatten up again. So they, they need the green leaves to grow for a number of months in order for those bulbs to get fat enough to be beautiful again next winter. So what I would do with your bulbs right now is feel what they feel like. If they're, if, if they feel empty, they feel small, they feel shrunken, uh, it might not work for you because there's no leaves on them. Uh, what you want is you want them to grow leaves back. You want them in, yeah. in the one, sun. One is getting. I can see the 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 leaves coming out again. Okay, good. Yeah. So just get them outside. They don't need to be in a super bright spot. Just get them out into the real world. Water as necessary. Avoid overwatering. They'll rot. How many times? Eh, once a week. Um, again, depending on the weather, right? It's just one of those things that allow the soil to dry between watering. So if yeah. it rains, you obviously don't need to water. If it doesn't rain for a week or so, then get some water on them. But you want those green leaves to be green and healthy, and you want those plants to grow all summer. In, yeah. At the end of August, that's when we're going to put them in the shed and stop watering. And that will cause the leaves to turn yellow at that time. But until then... In, at the end of August. Yeah. But until then, we water. We care for them just like a regular petunia. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And then Jessie. put
4: them in, in the basement.
2: Yep. Yeah. After the leaves have died down, we put them away for September, October, November, or whatever sort of makes sense. We pull them out and they should bloom again at that point with water then. But that's Christmas by that time or November.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good okay, stuff. Th- Thank you. Thank
1: you, Jesse. Um, have we time, do you think, to check into a uh, uh, question from Carla in Sh- Orangeville? Let's sure. give it a shot, okay? Hi, Carla. Hi,
4: hi Frank. Frank, I have a message for you. Yes? Uh, about Charlie and dog books and um, names of dogs. I wrote seven books in Holland in my European days. Uh, no kidding. And they're all called... Hello? They're all called a dog named Frank <laughs> and there were seven kids books so i just i love and, it i love it oh uh, you know i have a question about rodo's for uh for charlie yeah um you know we have um I have rhodos, and the pH of the soil is too high. How do I lower it?
2: Okay, at this time of year, it's a perfect time of year to do two things. One is get a hold of rhododendron food, very specific fertilizer for rhododendrons. It has sulfur in it. It'll help lower the pH. Use as directed. And number two, get a hold of something called soil acidifier soil acidifier Yep, yeah, and again, it'll be a granular form it might be aluminum sulfate bottom line is it will be sulfur based so get a hold of that and again apply around the rhododendrons and be prepared to do that every single spring as long as you want to keep those rotos happy
1: now carla before you scoot away on me can you do you have a computer at home
4: i, I, I have my cell phone i don't have oh yeah I but
1: you send an email to me could you Yes, I can. <laughs> I, I want to get that book. Uh, seven so, books. I, I, seven I, I wrote
4: books. seven. When I This is, what, 30 years ago when I was in my oh, uh, really young days. <laughs> Are they in I English? I don't know whether all that is recorded. Sorry for all oh, those mess. Oh, oh, that's no, okay.
1: That's great. I love it. No, no. But if you want to, I'd love to stay in contact with you. Proctor at mzmedia.com. Okay? Okay. F dot proctor mzmedia.com. And with that in mind, my gosh. Wow.
2: That's Whoa. that's so cool. Thank you, Carla. A dog that, named Frank. I'm not gonna cool? forget that. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> thank you, everybody. Boy, that hour went fast. Did it ever? It's a busy time of year. We've got so much going on. So thank you, everybody. Good questions, great tips from some of our callers. Thank you, Frank, for being Holy here and b- Sebastian.
1: <laughs> See you
2: all again next
1: week. <laughs>
0: This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.